Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Emma. And we are the Steministas. We educate the public about science and the news. And the ethical implications of new science findings. Today we're talking about one of my favorite things, exercise. I started working out consistently after my first year of grad school and I was pretty stressed after that first year and thought that getting my stress out at the gym would be a good way to cope with just the difficulties that come with getting a PhD. Mm-hmm. And almost four years later and I've fallen in love with weightlifting and challenging myself to do just one more rep. I also have a history of knee injuries and issues. I've had forced knee surgeries on my right knee. So for many years, I couldn't move my body. And now I'm just amazed at what it can do. Rachel, I know you also enjoy exercise. What form does your exercise take? Definitely. I mean, I've always enjoyed playing sports and stuff. I've always considered myself athletic, but it definitely took a little bit of a dip in college when I started spending more time in the lab. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, in grad school, I also started to exercise more for stress relief just cause you know, it, it can be so much. So mm-hmm. I, I started running, um, my, mainly motivated by my best friend, Giles was also in grad school. We started running together and training for a half marathon and I've been keeping up with it ever since. Yeah. Rachel had this really cool thing in her lab, like a countdown to oh, yeah. The races, and I think you even did like a count up of the miles you ran too. I did, and then in 2020, um, they canceled like tons of races, and I just stopped counting, and it, it was Aww. just like frozen in time, and it just had the year 2020, and it was just frozen. It was so depressing <laughs> to look at. <laughs> That's so sad. Uh, I mean, I yeah, kept I'd running. For- I kept running, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd forgotten they've canceled so many races. But I mean, it made sense considering. How people are close together and you're breathing heavily oh, outside. Yeah. yeah. And just all the people that have to travel in for that, flying in. Uh, they they had the Boston Marathon, um, I think, a couple weekends ago. Yeah. So that, that actually happened this year. So I guess the marathons are, are picking back up. I'll have to increase my mileage. <laughs> yeah. Can Is the Boston Marathon one of those that you have to, like, qualify for? Oh, yeah. I, I would okay. never qualify for Boston. <laughs> um, my friend Adam was telling me that sometimes people can, um, like, if you volunteer to help with the race for a couple years, they, they maybe, I don't know if Boston does this, but other cities, they'll, like, they'll, they'll let some people come in um, because they have credit from volunteering. So uh, maybe I should look into that. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool to say you ran the Boston Marathon. Yeah. Definitely. So today we're going to talk about the cardiovascular system and how it relates to exercise. You've probably heard your doctor say that you should Mm -hmm. aim to exercise a certain amount each week to help with your cardiovascular health, but what does this even mean? We're linking to a great article in the show notes that is where a lot of this information comes from. It's been estimated that a lifestyle that is more sedentary is one of the five major risk factors for cardiovascular disease. The other risk factors are high blood pressure, high blood lipid values, smoking, and obesity. Beyond heart disease, various studies have shown that sedentary lifestyles correlate with other diseases like colon cancer, hypertension, and type 2 diabetes. It's worth noting that these studies are based on correlation versus causation, so we, we know to be take that with a grain of salt and everything, but um, many of these studies have been repeated over the years and have determined that a sedentary lifestyle has a detrimental effect on the body and especially the heart. 
Exercise actually helps with two of the risk factors for cardiovascular disease. It's been shown that your good cholesterol or your HDL can be raised by exercising and that your blood pressure can go down by exercising. Exercise also helps your body use oxygen better. We have a baseline of how much oxygen we can utilize from day to day. When we exercise, we hit the threshold of oxygen consumption, and this can be measured by determining your VO2 max, which you might have heard about before after you have a Fitbit and everything. <laughs> Does yours do VO2 max? Um, it's, I don't think it tells me that, but it, I think it uses that to calculate um, your, like, what's the score? Your fitness score? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I know that they did like some new updates where you, if you like pay money, you get more information. And I, n- I never ended up doing that with mine, but I yeah, think I've either. seen it can do stuff with oxygen I've uh, graduated from a poor grad student to poor postdoc, so <laughs> I don't have no. the premium plan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the joys of academia. <laughs> Researchers can measure VO2 max by having someone exercise and then measuring their oxygen consumption and heart rate. And the higher your VO2 max, the better cardiovascular fitness you have. So how could someone raise their cardiovascular fitness if it's something that can really help with oxygen consumption? One way to do this is surprisingly with cardio. Uh-huh. <laughs> if you think about the word cardio, it has to do with the heart because cardia in Greek means heart. Oh. So if you want to raise your VO2 max, it's recommended to train really hard, like 90 to 95% of your maximal heart rate. Ooh. The way you calculate your maximal heart rate is to take the number 220 and subtract your age. So for a 20-year-old, their max heart rate can be 200. They shouldn't go higher than that. But for a 70-year-old, they should not go higher than a heart rate of 150. It's been known that older hearts cannot beat as fast as young hearts, but the molecular mechanisms behind that have been elusive until recently. Interestingly, a study showed that in older mice, their hearts beat more slowly because the pacemaker cells in their heart cannot set a faster beat. We talked about the pacemaker cells a few episodes ago, and just as a refresher, these cells are critical for heart cells to contract at the same pace, which is necessary for blood to flow properly through the heart. It's pretty fascinating that these cells slowed down their pace over time. So you can't raise your maximal heart rate. That decreases over time for the reasons we mentioned with your pacemaker cells. But you can raise your VO2 max. So you'll often see people utilize high-intensity interval training or HIIT to do this because you can get your heart rate into the 90 to 95% range. However, it's worth noting that most of the HIIT workouts on Instagram are not really HIIT. (laughs) One of my favorite fitness people to follow on Instagram is, is Alyssa Olenek, and she's getting her PhD in exercise physiology. And she says, you know you're doing hit right if you feel like you're dying when you're doing it. (laughs) For me, if I was shooting for a 90 to 95% maximal heart rate range, I would want my heart rate to be between 180 to 185 consistently, which is pretty high. That is pretty high. So you're telling me that the internet lies to us sometimes? (laughs) I know. Isn't it a big surprise? (laughs) Not at all. Um. It, it scares me when my heart rate gets that high when I'm exercising, like up in the 170s. <laughs> oh, I'm always like, woohoo, keep going. <laughs> One study we're linking to had participants run at 90 to 95% of their maximal heart rate for 15 seconds, and then at 70% of their maximum heart rate for 15 seconds. 
There were other variations in the study as well, like having them run at 90 to 95% for four minutes or at 70% for three minutes. Overall, they found that this form of training was very effective at raising the VO2 max and that the increase correlated with stroke volume of the heart. Stroke volume is the volume of blood pumped out of the left ventricle, and it can be measured by looking at an echocardiogram and seeing how much volume your heart pumps by like calculating the math between the like echocardiogram curves. Mm. So hopefully it's clear that the cardio is important for the heart, but it's not the only recommendation for a healthy heart. In 1996, the Surgeon General recommended a certain amount of exercise for heart health. Over the years, the amount has changed, but currently the American Heart Association, which is the leading research organization on the heart, recommends 150 minutes or 2.5 hours of heart pumping activity per week and two days of strength conditioning. This heart pumping activity can be biking, running, tennis, hiking uphill, really anything that brings your heart rate up. Brisk walking that's more than two and a half miles an hour can also fall into this category. As someone who mostly weightlifts, I have to work hard to meet my 150 minutes because I'm not a huge fan of heart pumping activity like cardio. (laughs) And I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I just (laughs) will run all the time and then forget to (laughs) lift weights. I did. I did finally purchase a pair of weights. They are five pounds. Emma, are you you impressed? (laughs) Hey, got to start somewhere. Before, um, when the weights were really expensive during COVID, I was lifting my cast iron skillet. <laughs> no, that is so smart. Like I saw a bunch of people like come up with like load a backpack filled with yeah, books yep. and do squats. There is there are a lot of ways you can do it without having weights. <laughs> so people have argued that if your heart rate gets up in your weightlifting workout, that it counts as cardio. Others have said that if you're not being intentional on getting your heart rate up, that it doesn't count. I try to walk often during the week and count that as my cardio because I do walk at about a 2.5 to 3 mile pace, but I should do more cardio than I do. I mean, people knock walking, but that's that's good exercise. I I walk a lot every day because um, I have to, always have to walk from the train station to lab and I don't know. It's nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoy walking a lot too. And I think it's, it's good to get outside. You're moving. It, I find it helps clear my head if I'm thinking about something with lab or trying to come up with a solution to a problem. But people are often surprised that strength training is also a recommendation for heart health. And this is because strength training is fantastic for your joints, your bone density, and building muscle. But strength training also helps you store more oxygen and burn more calories during the day because muscle needs more energy than fat in your body. Running, on the other hand, is terrible for your joints. <laughs> I know. That's why I don't run. Like, yeah. I, I like running, but my knees are like, why it's, do you do this? No, they're better. You, you might look into biking, um, actually, because that's a lot. Um, I, I've actually been biking a little more since I moved to Boston. Um, it's just easier. Yeah, it definitely is like less less pressure and yeah. Listen, I'm I'm approaching thirty quickly, so I gotta be nice <laughs> to my joints. <laughs> That's smart. Weightlifting's also beneficial because it's easier to scale up and keep challenging yourself. People often reach a plateau with cardio because as we expose our bodies to to um, stimuli, our bodies adapt. So if running a five k seems hard, the more often you do it the less hard it will feel. 
And so with cardio, people either have to do longer cardio or add some weight, like like with a weighted vest or something. I've seen people use ankle weights too um, in order to keep challenging their bodies. With weightlifting, you can increase the weights over time, but also increase your time under tension, like pausing in the bottom of a squat or playing with tempo. Like if you sit in a squat and then push up quickly and you can even do like incorporate different range of motion of various exercises, like a back squat versus a sumo squat. So there's a lot of different options. I will say one more plug for running is that um, you can do, uh, I think it's called Farlack training. Oh yeah, Fartlek. Yeah, yeah, where you, um, it's kind of like interval training. Ba- basically, you, you just mix in sprints with your running and that can help you increase your speed. If you want to shake things up, <laughs> but yeah, there's not, there's not as much you, as you can do with the uh, weightlifting. <laughs> yeah, and I have heard people like, yeah, doing hill work too, yeah, if they yeah. want to challenge themselves. I remember during COVID at one point I ran up hills and it was really difficult. Hills are the worst. I tried to ride my bike short during COVID and there's a giant hill on Raleigh road. Do you know the one I'm talking about? On 54. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. I you biked, tried to ride I up that my, hill. I biked <gasps> all the way up that hill. And <gasps> I was covered in sweat when I got to the top. And I couldn't breathe. I think I hit VO2 max. <laughs> or my maximum <laughs> heart rate. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. They're, when I was in studying abroad in Denmark, like they bike everywhere over there. But it's a flat country. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it works. That's Biking around this area is not pleasant. So Boston is pretty flat, at least the part that I'm in. Um, so that's been refreshing. <laughs> that's good. But anyways, whatever kind of exercise you like, you should get into it because it's good for your heart. Yeah, and exercise. If you find something you like, that's the key. You don't have to run. You don't have to bike. You don't have to weightlift if you don't like that. It's all about finding what works for you and what will get you a healthier heart. And I mean, the the benefits of exercise, I would argue, go beyond the heart. So we'll definitely be touching on this topic in future seasons when we cover different organ systems. 